I was happy that Sarah took the time to talk with me by phone about her daughter Isabella, who has hydrocephaly and other physical issues. Sarah was pregnant with twin girls, and during a checkup, it was discovered that one of the girls, Isabella, had issues. Sarah, when did you find out that your daughter had hydrocephaly? We found out because we were having twins. We found out that she was starting to develop the hydrocephalus at around 16 weeks. And then from there, we would get a scan every, about every two weeks. And then it was up to one week um, at the very end. They do it based on measurements of ventricles. Um, So there's the two lateral ventricles inside the brain. They would just measure that every scan and they would just kind of talk about like, okay, yeah, she's definitely, she definitely has it, so. You got the diagnosis in utero that yes. your baby that you've uh, named Isabella had hydrocephaly. What what advice did the the uh, your attending physician give you? So because we were having identical twins, if we were to, so she did mention possible termination if it was just a single term pregnancy, but because of the um, identical twins, you know, if she, w- if she would be terminated, then the other one would be. And our twin A, which is Ariella, her sister, she was completely normal. Like, there was no, no defects and everything was growing correctly on her. So we continued on with the pregnancy. And from then on, it, they didn't, no one really pushed termination as much because we were having identical twins, so it's kind of like, well, one's doing good, and the other one we already know she has, you know, this, so let's just continue on and then go from at birth what happened, so. Okay. So tell me, what have been some of the challenges of having, well, you had a twin, so obviously that's a challenge in and of itself. You you <laughs> yes. mentioned that because that she had a, a sister in utero, that they, you weren't pushed for uh, to, to abort the baby, so that wasn't really something that you necessarily had to contend with. What have been the challenges since her birth? I would say one of the first challenges was due to her enlarged head, we already knew we were going to be a scheduled C-section. If she was a single-term pregnancy, I'm not sure how far along they would have pushed the pregnancy, but because the identical twin pregnancies usually don't go past 37 weeks gestation because of the placenta breaking down. So we, we knew that that was scheduled, and that's fine. You know, she, it was the safest way for them to be born. So I guess that would be one of the things that was kind of like we didn't really have much of a choice. Some of the other challenges we've had, we found out when she was born, she also has other birth defects. She was born with perforated anus, so she doesn't have an anus. And she also has, it's called a persistent cloaca. So inside her, her, her vaginal and urethra are connected up inside. So she only has one exit that is where she urinates. So the first initial challenge that we had was she can't poop, so we have to do surgery so she can go to the bathroom. So she has an ostomy bag on the side of her left abdomen, and that is where she goes to the bathroom. So we, that's totally new for us. It's honestly like changing a diaper, but at the beginning we had to learn how to correctly place the bag and how to maintain her skin around the stoma so they don't get irritated. So that was a little bit challenging. And then on day four of life, she had a brain surgery. They did do a couple of taps on her brain in order to get the fluid out temporarily to relieve that pressure inside of her head. She has the type of hydrocephalus she has is a congenital type. So it's a blockage in between the third and fourth ventricle called aqueductal syntosis 
Texas, and there's this tiny little tube that drains from the third to the fourth ventricle, and it just it didn't form properly because of that block. The fluid is building up over time. So the doctor, the neurosurgeon, went in and made a new pass, new hole for that fluid to flow and regulate, and he also cauterized part of her brain that does make more spinal fluid, and that would help bring down the fluid as well. So because she had those two procedures done, so far it's working, um, but there is a chance of it failing. And if that does close up the, the hole that he made, she will have to go in and get a shunt. And, you know, that involves the tubing draining, draining into her abdomen. So that's why they didn't go for the shunt to begin with, because she already had the abdominal surgery to begin with. And then eventually, we're talking like maybe around six months, she's going to be having reconstructive surgery on her anus and her vagina urethra. We're not sure together or separate. And then she'll have her ostomies closed up on her her belly once everything's done. So that's another surgery after the fact. So. so she's had to have then several surgeries and has several to go, it sounds like. Yes. Does she also um, have an intellectual disability or not? Do you, do you know that? Um, yes. Okay. Um, so they first mentioned Vactrol to us, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with anything like genetic terms, and we didn't know any of this stuff. So Vactrol kind of affects the midline of the body as far as um, genetic defects. She does have a hemi, like a tilted vertebrae on her spine. So they did, she does not have Vactrol. Sorry, I don't want to bring that up and saying she does have it, but it was mentioned that she could have it. She does not have actual, we did have her genetic testing done. She has a microduplication on chromosome 16 short arm and a microduplication on chromosome 17 short arm. The diagnosis for 17 is called Charcot-Marie-Tooth syndrome, which is just the name of the doctors who discovered this syndrome. It's not has nothing to do with her teeth, which is funny because a lot of people are like, tooth, what's that mean? So Charcot-Marie-Tooth syndrome is a muscular, it's a neurological muscular disorder where her lower limbs, like her, her from her like ankle or knee down, basically, that part of her muscles will deteriorate over time and she will become weaker and in her hands as well. But this type of syndrome can either be, she can have it mildly affect her or she can have it greatly affect her. They don't predict her having, being in a wheelchair or anything, but you know, she may have knee braces and she, as she gets older. And then the 16 duplication is, there's no syndrome with that, but it's linked to learning disorder, speech delay, ADHD, <laughs> autism and schizophrenia but that as well can either be super mild as if she would even notice that she does have any symptoms from that or it could be on the other hand or it's a little bit more severe where oh yeah we know she's autistic or we know she has ADHD or whatever kind of whatever she has going on as far as that goes so so that's something you will have to wait to find out later yes okay yes um let me ask you a little bit about the joys because a lot of times we, okay. we, we focus in on you know all the you know the things a child can't do or the surgeries or the whatever mm -hmm. but so tell me the joys of having uh, Isabella I would have to say first off she has this amazing peace on her she is she's already cries and she's just the sweetest baby ever you know, with her being in the NICU for the first month, I mean, 
I know NICU is hard. It was, I mean, it's just a little bit different than most NICU cases. I mean, she was, yes, premature, but she had a lot of other things going on with her that when you look at her, I mean, obviously the hydrocephalus, you can see, yeah, she's got a orange head. But when you look at her, you can tell that there was anything wrong. And that's what really, like, affected us the most was we didn't know about all this other stuff. But despite all of that, all these surgeries, and how many times she's been put to sleep for procedures, she's just so sweet. And, you know, she just, she has, there's something special about her. Like, we can't put our finger on it. My mother-in-law, my mom, my husband, we all just see, like, this, just this most peaceful, like, just sweetest baby we've ever seen. Like, especially comparing her to her sister, which is kind of funny because her sister's all funky and she's more on the fussier side. But Isabella just has this, like, aura about her where she's just, like, so at peace with life. That's just one of the things that we've really, like, enjoyed having her. And also the fact that she's a twin and, you know, when she's grown inside of me and she was next to her sister so she has like this really sensitive she's real sensitive to touch when she is touched or held like she just reacts so much stronger than you know what we've noticed with our other children she's just so she calms her and she's just so like connected to you it's just unreal so that's one of the things we've really um noticed that that's been a real joy to have her at home and her reacting and and our kids other kids as well like they you know my son he's five and he said mom you drink too much water that's why she has too much water in her head and I'm like I just think it's so funny because I'm like Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, that's just funny that he would say that. I know, right? He's just, he's like, we've had a real good support system with our family. Um, Well, I was going to ask you a question about that. Mm -hmm. So how has Isabella's birth and her life so far affected your your extended family? You mentioned briefly your, your immediate family, but what about your extended family? How how have they reacted to her and what are have been their thoughts? Everyone has been really supportive. They, I mean, we didn't really talk about her having hydrocephalus until about four, about a month before we gave birth. We didn't really want to like advertise it. And I don't know, I don't know why we didn't. I don't know if it was, we thought, oh, she's going to be fine at birth or I don't know. We just kind of had this idea, like we don't need to tell anyone. And then we're like, no, we need to tell people, you know, that, she has what she has and it's, it's she's special because of that so but our family everyone's reacted very well very supportive and loving and you know they've asked you know if there's anything they could do for us unfortunately we don't live next to our family my husband's in the military and we are not able to live next to our close family so you know they'll have to stay to fly out to come see us but we've had good support <laughs> so when they do come in it's so awesome so oh that's that's terrific so yeah let me let me ask you this if if i came to you uh, with a diagnosis of a that i had a child in in in, in utero that had some of the, the conditions that, that your that your daughter Isabella has, so they diagnosed mm-hmm. with with uh, hydrocephaly and and maybe some of the other conditions that you mentioned. What advice would you give me? To I would first of all, I would not say termination at all because 
with technology nowadays, they have the ability to, you know, help with surgery, depending on what type of, you know, hydrocephalus that they've developed. But I would say not terminate for sure. And I would say, you know, to some things to expect are, you know, NICU time or your child, you know, is going to have surgery right off the bat, which is hard to deal with because you're, they're so tiny, but they're, they're actually stronger than we give them credit for. And I would just say to keep on pressing on, pray, get early intervention going as soon as possible as far as, you know, physical therapy so you can have that going for them to help with their you know, to make up for their head being so large and heavy. But yeah, that's, that's what I would think. That's pretty much everything I would say. Well, wonderful. Um, yeah. Any other thoughts that you want to add? Um, no, I'm just really glad that we got to talk. And this is a great, I looked at your guys' website and I really enjoy it. And I like how it's a place for people to reach out and when they hear all this doom and gloom, there's actually like this positive stories that are backed up with it and it makes you feel, because the medical field, you know, they are not very, I don't know, they can be kind of cutthroat sometimes. It makes you feel like there's no hope sometimes. You know, when you see others and their testimonies and what they've gone through, it's like, you know, we, we all are here to support each other and it feels, it feels really good, so. I appreciate Sarah and her candor, and I am certain her story will be an inspiration to other parents.